It's time for more facts about the vax. Let's talk about long haulers on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Johnny, and this is another episode of Pushback. Today, I want to hit on a few different topics, but really get back to some more facts about the vax. It's been a little while since I have swung back around to COVID and things are looking fairly optimistic. And I want to get to that and, and have a chance to comment on what's been happening on that front. Can I just make a few comments, though, on some previous podcasts that I've done just over the last uh, couple weeks? Um, I did one on critical race theory. In fact, I did kind of a series on critical race theory. And I found this quote. I'm going to read the quote and then see if you can guess who actually said it. Um, I talked about critical race theory, about equality versus equity, and the difference um, that's there where equality is searching for everybody having an equal input, um, where equity is talking about equal outcomes. And it gets tricky and complicated. But here's the quote. Now, the premise that we were all created equal is the opening line in the American story. And while we don't promise equal outcomes, we have strived to deliver equal opportunity. The idea that success doesn't depend on being born into wealth or privilege, it depends on effort and merit. And with every chapter we've added to that story, we've worked hard to put those words into practice. Now, you might be surprised to learn that that was Barack Obama who said that. It's I, I agree with him on that premise. And I'm also sort of floored on how quickly the conversation has really changed just since he has become president. This was the political popular thing to say just even 10, 15 years ago. Whereas now things have shifted towards equity and equal outcomes. I find that quite interesting. I talked about my last podcast uh, about Drill Baby Drill. It was two podcasts ago about oil production and uh, when we get into conflicts such as Ukraine and Russia, which is still growing strong, and uh, our prayers still go out to the Ukrainian people. Uh, I talked about following the money, and uh, it was interesting as we were listening to the Biden administration try to claim that there's plenty of oil here, it's just the oil companies don't want to go after it. The oil executives over the past couple of weeks have pushed back big time, uh, saying that that was very disingenuous. Uh, Tim Stewart, who is the U.S. Oil and Gas Association president, uh, is saying, quote, the reality is the Biden administration and its allies in Congress did nothing to address this crisis as it was unfolding while we were warning them of that. And in fact, they actually were accelerating the crisis, which is what I've been claiming here in the last several podcasts as well. A little closer to home, Ron Ness, the North Dakota Petroleum Council president, um, said, um, 
it is very insulting to us that we look at Venezuela to increase oil production. The country of Venezuela today produces 800,000 barrels of oil a day. The state of North Dakota alone produces 1.1 million, Ness emphasized. This president could change the price of gas tomorrow if he would come to the podium and announce that his administration is changing direction. He is directing his federal agencies um, he's directing his federal agencies to work with industry-approved permits, approved pipeline projects, urging the financial sector to invest in oil and gas, grow production in America. This is limiting our ability to grow. He's saying him not saying these things are inhibiting or limiting their ability to grow. That Biden should come out and say all of these things. The, the, the stock market would respond. The oil companies would respond. The economy would respond. And gas prices would would go down. Policy does matter. And it's interesting, the stock market is reactionary in the sense that it is trying to predict what is going to happen and respond accordingly. And a president bringing reassurance such as this would be quite helpful. It's also interesting that gas prices are reactionary and they try to predict what's going to happen. And that's why they've raised prices. And even in the threat of a Ukrainian-Russian conflict. So the Biden administration can absolutely do something and should do something about this. And then lastly, I talked about a podcast entitled Cooling Global Warming. <laughs> it says that the average high temperature in March in Minnesota is supposed to be anywhere from 34 to 49 degrees. That's considered average 49 degrees. It says it rarely falls below 19 or exceeds 64. Yesterday, my friends, it was 17 degrees. <laughs> 17 degrees, that's not including wind, wind chill. The wind was blowing as well. This is at the same time where there have been campus protests where students are going out calling for Biden to call for a climate emergency. A climate emergency. These campuses were not in the state of Minnesota. <laughs> Let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about where we are at. I'm very pleased to report that everything is trending downward. And I feel very, very encouraged. I'm also encouraged by the 82% vaccination rate now. If you go back to my initial facts about the VAX podcast, of which I have a series, and, uh, and try to answer most of your questions... Um, we talked about herd immunity and the need to probably get above 75 to 80% vaccination to really achieve a herd immunity that is effective and meaningful. Uh, at 82% vaccination, I feel encouraged by that. I also know that this uh, Omicron variant uh, was highly contagious and did sweep through a large proportion of the population and was less severe and so as we speak today, the percentage of vaccination and or those who have been recently infected um, is quite a high percentage. And combine that with the fact that we are heading into the spring where all of us open our windows and we start heading outside and, and social distancing happens quite naturally uh, because we're able to get out more. Um, I believe that this is a, a perfect storm of positivity uh, about the um COVID-19 virus. Now, we also know that variants can pop up, and so it's important that we do stay vigilant 
in that regard. I said this before, and I'm going to say it again. I believe that history will show that Donald Trump has saved more American lives than any other American president by rolling out the vaccine so quickly. There is no, um, it is not by coincidence that vaccines rolled out about a year ago. Now we're here one year later, hopefully toward the tail end of it. That's what we'd expect to see. Uh, and that is exactly what has happened. And can we contribute that to vaccination? Absolutely, yes. Unequivocally, yes. Vaccinations have changed the course of this virus and the problems therein. So cases, deaths, and hospitalizations are all way down just over the last probably four to six weeks. Cases, however, are getting approaching 80 million, and deaths, unfortunately, in the United States is approaching 1 million. And that's a staggering number if we go back two years ago to where we are today. Now, there is a... Um, a commentary now happening in the literature that I wanted to address today uh, about sort of a post-COVID syndrome. Now, we do see some of these effects as physicians uh, and certainly in my practice. Um, it's hard because we have to make sure that it isn't something else that's going on. But there are many different names and sometimes these can be confusing. So I want to sort that out for you. Um, the more common terms are post-COVID syndrome or long COVID, long COVID or long-term COVID. People living with post-COVID syndromes are sometimes known as long haulers, which is the name of the podcast today, long haulers. A bad case of COVID can produce scarring and other permanent problems in the lungs. But even... <laughs> Excuse me, but even <laughs> mild infections, as I, as I say, problems with the lungs and the nice knees, but even mild infections can cause persistent shortness of breath, getting very winded easily, even after light exertion. And so we have to distinguish sometimes between just COVID persisting, where you have a COVID infection that continues to affect, <clears throat> excuse me continue to affect the lungs versus people that just get a post-COVID syndrome where they continue to get sequelae after and sometimes long after. And so usually when we talk about post-COVID syndrome, we're talking about 12 weeks after infection. Now, no organ system is spared when we talk about the infectivity of COVID-19. Now, obviously, we mostly concentrate on the lungs because it is a SARS, a, a respiratory syndrome that affects the lining and the cell cellular aspects of our lungs. And when we especially we're in the middle of the Delta variant, um, that was such a deadly virus as it infected the lung cells and that people would basically die of lung failure. Now, also there was heart, heart and lungs, and there was some people that had actually inflammation of the heart muscle that would also happen with a COVID infection and sometimes can happen afterwards. So the scarring can obviously cause some permanent problems in the lungs, but you can also get sort of a, a, a persistent response uh, post-infection. And some people can have uh, inflammation of the heart muscle that persists as well. One study showed that 60% of people who recovered from COVID-19, 
had signs of ongoing heart inflammation, which could lead to common symptoms such as shortness of breath, palpitations, rapid heartbeat. The inflammation appeared even in those who had a mild case of COVID-19 and had no medical issues before they got sick. So you can get uh, uh, persistent problems. Um, There are neurologic problems such as brain fog, fatigue, headaches, dizziness. All of these things can happen uh, post-COVID. It's interesting, for about a quarter of people with COVID-19, and we know some people uh, like this, um, have... um, uh, Persistent, they have persistent symptoms in regards to their senses. Not life-threatening, but prolonged distortion of their senses, such as smell, taste, etc. And this can lead to a horrible lack of appetite, anxiety, and depression. Some studies suggest that there's a 60 to 80% chance that these people will see improvement in their sense of smell within a year. So 40 to 20 20 to 40% will not. That's a pretty significant amount of people and a persistent morbidity that can happen in their senses. So that's just one example of sort of a long hauler of a COVID infection. And maybe some of you are still having some of those effects. Now, what is the answer to long COVID? Well, not surprisingly, the answer is vaccination. Because there is a big difference between those who have been vaccinated and those who have been non-vaccinated. So COVID-19 vaccines are safe and effective, even though some patients may experience some breakthrough infections, is what we saw with Omicron. What is reassuring that patients who were vaccinated in those rare instances where there was a breakthrough, infection of those patients were 50% less likely to develop long COVID or post-COVID symptoms. 50%. That's huge. These vaccines are effective. But in those rare instances where you do get an infection despite vaccination, there is, it protects you from having post-COVID syndrome. So there is a double insurance effect that takes place with vaccination, which is not insignificant, especially when you multiply it by the, what did I say, 80 million cases in the United States of America. That's, that's just in the U.S. alone. There have been many studies now coming out of the pike because we're this far out from the initial COVID infectivities that studies now are coming out, really good studies. Um, In six studies, those who received one or two vaccine doses before corona and virus infection were less likely to develop symptoms of long COVID after infection. In two studies, fully vaccinated people were less likely than unvaccinated people to develop medium or long-term symptoms such as fatigue, headache, weakness in the arms and legs, persistent muscle pain, hair loss, dizziness, shortness of breath, loss of smell, or lung scarring, all the things that we were just talking about related to post-COVID. In addition, three studies comparing long COVID symptoms before and after vaccination found that most people reported an improvement in symptoms after vaccination, either immediately or or over several weeks. So said another way, there is also evidence that unvaccinated people with long COVID who were subsequently vaccinated had, on average, reduced long COVID symptoms or fewer long COVID symptoms than those who remained 
unvaccinated. My friends, that is a very significant finding in this study. So even if you have been unvaccinated and you begin to have some long COVID symptoms, because most likely you were infected with COVID at some point, if you still choose to get vaccinated, then your symptoms will be much less likely. That's a big finding. See, vaccinations improve your immune system. Now, believe me, I've been doing this podcast now for the two years during COVID, and I've gotten a lot of responses, a lot of concerns, and a lot of questions regarding COVID vaccinations. We are really coming out on the other end, and all of the predictions about the vaccines um, have, have been true in its effectiveness. And there have been a lot of people who have been quite angry, quite concerned, quite worried about the side effects of the vaccinations. And I've been trying to alleviate their anxiety and still try to convince them to get vaccinated. The further we get out of 82% of hundreds of millions of people getting vaccinated and finding a very high safety profile, the further we get out from this, the stronger the evidence is that these vaccines are safe and effective. And that is key. I've heard so often, even recently, about infertility and the COVID-19 vaccinations. My friends, there have been studies after studies which have now shown and proven that there is no infertility issues with the vaccination. In fact, the only time they ever actually saw perhaps a blip in fertility were those who were unvaccinated and actually got COVID-19 because of the simple fact is that they were so sick, there was no time to be intimate. <laughs> That's what the studies showed. And so fertility rates maybe went down with COVID-19 infectivity, not with COVID-19 vaccination. So in that regard, you can actually make an outward claim that vaccinations improve fertility because we're healthy enough to be intimate with each other. <laughs> it's simple math. So it's important that we understand the data. And it actually makes me angry when people spread false information, especially about things like fertility that are so important and intimate to a family's dynamic. And I believe that the people who who claimed that this was going to result in infertility needs to come forward. They need to say that they were incorrect and need to right the ship. It's important that we don't bear false witness. And so I'm still an advocate for vaccinations. And believe me, there have been many that have disagreed with me and I have honored their position. And I will continue to hold to my position that you never do anything that you aren't comfortable doing. And I would never, ever support mandating vaccinations. I'm much more of an advocate of, of education and having people make an informed decision for themselves. So we can disagree two years later, even after all of this craziness is starting to wind down. We can still disagree and I still honor your position. But we need to, to really explore the facts, and that's part of my role and, I, and part of what I feel has been my responsibility in bringing these facts about the VAX information to you. So I believe continuing with vaccination is important. I believe that if you're still on the fence, and perhaps maybe you even have some of these long-term COVID effects, 
still consider the getting the vaccination because I think it's important. And we'll see how this plays out, whether they're going to provide further boosters, uh, yearly boosters, uh, just to protect uh, the citizenry from any kind of uh, uh, further effect, recurrences, and maybe more important, further variances that could come forward the longer this virus stays in the world. So I'm optimistic. I'm feeling uh, better about the future. I know that things can change. I am not comfortable saying that we are done with COVID or that the pandemic is over. I don't believe that the numbers support that. I don't believe that we're quite there, but the trend is looking promising. And so I want to and continue to pray for complete resolution to this so that we can go on with the normalcy of our lives and the things that the Lord has called us to. Anytime I have a facts about the vax podcast, I tend to get responses and I invite them and I encourage them and, and, I, and I will honor them and treat them with respect. And so if you have any other further questions, concerns, if you have seen other studies that you're concerned about, if you're seeing things about um, the vaccine specifically, you've been vaccinated, but now you're concerned about side effects or things that might be happening, I'm more than willing to entertain those. Go to pushbackculture.org, pushbackculture.org. There you can leave your comment and your question. Um, I would encourage your, I would, I would encourage and covet your continued support of this podcast. If these podcasts are meaningful to you and you're willing to make a financial donation, it would help us help me continue to put these forward. I enjoy them. I look forward to them, and I want to continue to put out put out a high quality podcast where I can do some of the the research and dig into the things that are happening into this world. Because believe me, every week I'm never lacking for subject matter. That has not been the case. It is my honor to come before you again this week and look forward to our time again next week. We are the culture bearers. We are the one that sets the culture. We are not subject to the culture. We set the culture. So let's go together now to set and shape the culture. Thank you.